once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 69. As always, we remind you to please rate, review, leave a comment, tell a friend, subscribe. Do it all. Do it all. You know what? Today, stop what you're doing. Call a friend. Tell them to tune in to the Soccer OG, the podcast which is available where all podcasts are available. It's the least that you can do. It's great to be with you once again. Uh, always excited for the show here on a Sunday night as I am accruing information to share with you. So much going on. The end of these European seasons. We'll touch on that a little bit. We'll have a Jesse Marsh update because we've been it from the beginning. And uh, in the business end, very special guest. We're going to talk some South American football with uh, Melissa Ortiz, former Olympian who uh, worked with Fubo for the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, a Latina in the business, trying to, to stake some ground like everybody else. And I'm going to ask her about the challenges for that and see how she's inspiring others. And we'll talk about all things South American football because you know what? It's really interesting. And we don't talk about it enough. And it could be a very South American flavor at the World Cup. Namely speaking about Brazil and Argentina, who both look capable of lifting. The jewelry may... In stoppage time, we'll talk a little bit about the American June camps, what uh, we should be looking for. And a reminder to check out the Soccer OG on YouTube, where I will be discussing uh, the the gathering in June. Some really stiff competition, which is great news for the United States. A great African team, a great South American team. Even though they play in the World Cup, European teams, and a Middle Eastern team. <laughs> I don't care. It's hard to get games. But, you know, that's what, when you usually have the World Cup and you have friendlies, you want to mimic. And I think maybe they think they're going to mimic something with Morocco than Iran. Although Morocco is a very European team, even though they play in the African Federation. So we'll indulge with all of that coming up on the Soccer OG. Let's go. We are back. I want to get something off my chest. I want to get something off my chest. So the FA Cup was on Saturday. And immediately, well, not immediately, but halfway in, I look on Twitter and I see Taylor Twelman is trending. And I knew immediately what it was for. Folks were not happy with his FA Cup commentary. And it's a a criticism that I'm all too familiar with. So um, Taylor hasn't really been in from the beginning of the FA Cup. But he's called some games. He is ESPN's top guy. So he should recall the top properties. So why, when an American calls that, is it a time to be critical? Just grin and bear it. Could you have had a a guy who played in dozens of FA Cups doing that? Sure. That would have been a little different. But that's not how it works. And uh, I know there's uh, there's a group. There's obviously the English in America. But that's a small group. And they want what they had in England here in the United States. So they say, wait a minute, this is holy ground, English soccer, yada, yada, English football, pardon me. And we want it presented the way it was in England here. Uh, It shouldn't work that way. This, because this is in England. And then there's also a uh, a group, a very vocal group of people who do like the English way. They're Americans who are like, this is the way it should be. It is authentic. And they criticize about it. So they were throwing slings and arrows at Taylor. Again, should they have, say, Craig Burley? Sure. But Taylor's the number one guy. 
So deal with it. I've had to deal with this so often. When I called an English game, I mean, I got laughed out of a room when I went to Sky Sports and I said, hey, could I call a game? They were like, what? <laughs> You're mental. They know an American calling a Premier League game. And I talked to English, uh, the English broadcasters who are great in this country. And they, you know what they all say? They all say the same thing. Doesn't matter what your accent, you get the best possible person in that role. Well, let me tell you something. You don't know who the best possible person is. This is a very subjective business. And the best person to call an English game could be American or Australian or Irish. And they won't have them in the Premier League. That's facts. I've been told, and I know I've shared this here before, I've been told time and time again, no, you, no, that doesn't happen. Sometimes I barely know how I've kept afloat calling this sport in our country without having an accent. Or actually, technically, the English do not have an accent. We have an accent. Because English is the, in, the, in its natural form, so it doesn't have an accent. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just... And then, look, Jeremy St. Louis, who's a friend of mine, I work with him at Fox... And I was going to respond to him on Twitter. And I know he, I'm, I'm, he probably doesn't hear this. But he sent a tweet that... Uh, did he erase it? I'm looking for it. Um, Watching Stanley Cup playoffs on ESPN, I now understand why English people detest North American commentary on English soccer. Are you crazy? Are you... What? You're not in Canada. You're in the United States. You're not in England. This is how we call games. I mean, this, it's just a snobbery. I don't know what you call it. I just, I don't want to think about it. It's there. It's not going away. It's going to cost people like me and Taylor and all this work because we want the authentic version. Okay, I just want to get that off my chest. A lot to discuss. We're going to have the business end, Melissa Ortiz. We're going to talk South American football, football, as they say in Brazil. And we'll get ready for some of the World Cup storylines to follow. This Ecuador storyline with Chile, which is bizarre, and uh, a real reach for the Chileans. So, uh, is it Byron Castillo? We'll talk about that a little bit with Melissa, so I won't get too far into the weeds. We'll talk about the uh, formation of the the June World Cup preparation team for the U.S. And and I think people are going, we want this and change. I, I don't want change. I don't want a bunch of change. The U.S. have gone through nine months since World Cup qualifying has started. A little less than that. You know about that. And you go through that process so that by this time, you're not you're not a few months out of the World Cup going, oh, we've got to completely overhaul this. No, 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 no. If you weren't in that stretch, it's a long shot you get brought in. Maybe one or two players. But the eventual 23 or 26-man roster we'll have in the World Cup is going to be the majority of what we saw from September of 2021 to March of 2022. That's it. It's it. So uh, uh, maybe a few alterations. We'll talk about that ahead. Jesse Marsh. <laughs> Leeds United taking on Brighton. We've been a really good team. Uh, Burnley, really unfortunate not to get a point against Tottenham Hotspur. So that ended 1-0 for the Spurs. So Leeds with an opportunity to get ahead because they were level on points with Burnley. By the way, Everton lost, so maybe they're still in this mix as well. They got to be very careful because they looked terrible, terrible over the weekend against Brentford. Brentford is the opponent for Leeds, I believe, in the final weekend. But uh, Leeds United fell down early, battled, battled. Um, They had some good shots. They probably should have won it. They played well enough to win this game. 
I'm amazed for a team that just scored goals so freely. It's it's a, it's hard to score them now, but they don't give them up. Remember the injury concerns and everything else about this team. Uh, red cards. I mean, they're getting red card a game. Able to put together a, a team and score the goal. Excuse me for that sound. I dropped my phone. Um, score the goal late to uh, get a point, which gets them out of the bottom three for now. So really... Burnley has to do something in their final game against Aston Villa. If they don't, then they lose that game. Leads are safe. And we can celebrate in this country because we're all on board about that. So, um, this, was a, this was a huge result. This last goal by Strike, who was able to... Great ball by Gelhart. That guy's been impressive. And Rafinha, who's been a target of Barcelona, he was very active. He should have scored a couple times, though. And they're okay. So great news. Can't wait. Next weekend's going to be bananas. So much happening this weekend too. Milan closing in, as we said last week. Milan winning the Scudetto is good for everything because we need Milan back. But the Inter's pressing. And that's going to come down to the final weekend. West Ham, Manchester City, 2-2. Liverpool, uh, it's it's unlikely that they catch Manchester City. But uh, it is uh, it's up for grabs, certainly. So um, they need help in the final uh, weekend. And, of course, all the games will start at the same time. But uh, Manchester City uh, will finish with Aston Villa. I said Burnley has. Let me see. I got that. Burnley has Aston Villa. They already played. So it's Manchester City will take on Aston Villa. I mean, I don't see Aston Villa getting the result there at the Etihad. Burnley are at home against Newcastle. So... uh, and uh, who knows? Who knows? It is crowded at the at the bottom. By the way, I should have said Burnley have two games remaining, so they still they still have a pulse here. And we'll, we shall see. Everton and Leeds. Everton's one point up on Leeds, so Leeds do have a game. Burnley do have Aston Villa away, then home to Newcastle. They play with five in the back in this Spurs game, so I imagine they'll do the same on Thursday against Villa. Still, it's still a, a lot. Man, Leeds probably need to get something out of that final result. But we have so much to play for. And then the European seasons are over. And then we uh, pivot to a very busy June international calendar. So we'll talk about that. But coming up next, business end, Melissa Ortiz. Let's talk about Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, Chile. I don't know why I did that. I want to sound like Don Francisco. Here's Sábado Gigante. That was a great show. I love the commercials. Go, este programa está presentado por Snickers y Home Depot. I just wanted to be Spanish language voiceover guy. Este programa está presentado por Kentucky Fried Chicken. I think I got the voice for it. Soccer OG, let's go. Now here for the business end, and very happy to welcome to the show Melissa Ortiz, uh, now part of what we do in the media, former Colombian international, also getting ready for your wedding. You're very busy these days. Congratulations! Very. Thank you. I call it um, adulting. I think I'm adulting now. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, also a really good social media follow. You are very creative. You make me want to start doing a little bit more with. Uh, with, with incorporate with actually producing these 
these posts. I get so lazy and I just I put know. garbage up there. No one's going to click on that. <laughs> Dude, it's so hard. Like a lot of things go into content, what they say, content creating and, uh, you know, social media influencing and like creating videos. A lot goes behind it, uh, as you know, and it takes a lot of one, not just like the creativity, but the production and then the editing. Yeah. But thank you. I appreciate that. It's been a uh, it's been in the making for like quite a few years now, and it's helped my social media presence grow quite a bit. Let me let me ask you about that, because I think that's important because everywhere I've worked, you know, and as years go by. That yeah. becomes a bigger factor. And like uh, this manager, this guy who's not really my manager, but he kind of plays that role sometimes. He's like, get on TikTok, get on TikTok. I go, I can't, I can't. He goes, then three months go by. I told you to get on TikTok. And he showed me the numbers and it's like twice as much as everyone else. And it's growing. And yeah. I'm on Twitter and I like Twitter. I get my news off Twitter. I get on Instagram. I enjoy it. But now I have to pivot again. I get exhausted. But yeah. this is... I mean, this is a way to get your brand out. This is a way to get your messaging out. Are you, but I, I have so much time for it, but I, I almost feel like I have to adapt and maybe drop an Instagram for TikTok, but then I have to learn how to really be effective on TikTok. And I'm just thinking about this, Melissa, and I'm getting a headache. <laughs> totally. And to be honest, I should have been more proactive when it came to TikTok in the moment that I think I would have, been early and more I should say successful like right now on TikTok I have like 80,000 followers um which like 30,000 of those or 20,000 have grown since January because like wow. came the new year I came the new year I was like man you know what I need to I just need to start posting on TikTok and it's so true you grow so much faster on TikTok than you do Instagram and now you're seeing brands invest heavily in TikTok uh not only in ads and stuff that you see on the app itself, but in the content creators and the influencers. And now there's so many, so the competition's ramping up. There's a lot of competition out there. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta up up my, my TikTok. Well, game. I, uh, I, don't, I don't want to tell you my TikTok numbers and I haven't been on there at all. I just haven't, I've, I've ignored it, which is not the way to do it. You know, like burying your head in the sand, but uh, any tips? I mean, cause I need it. Yeah. There's stuff that you can, and I know TikTok has also changed algorithms and, they allow you to have longer form posting, but before it was very quick. That was a whole appeal, but now it's, it's storytelling. And I, I get the feeling that we're a little bit away from a place like TikTok where you can actually have live streaming sports on there, or this is where you get your news shows, everything. You just go to TikTok yeah. the same way you go to Twitter, get your news, but now it's a vis visual component on TikTok. So I got to get my button gear. So any tips you can have, uh, greatly appreciate it. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, any of your listeners too, TikTok is a massive platform to take advantage of, uh, especially right now. You see creators that maybe can't get into like, get Instagram growth. And I'm not going to, I'm going to be very transparent. Instagram lately has been hard for everyone, oh. even myself. Like, it's just like you hit the plateau and all of a sudden it's like, okay, why am I not getting the same like numbers as I did last year? You know, like, I don't know what the heck's going on with Instagram, to be honest with you. <laughs> Which well, is why what, if I, it doesn't I, fix it, it's going to be extinct the way this is going because TikTok oh, oh, is yeah. kicking tail. Hence why uh, Instagram has made so many updates to, to, to favor videos and they make the, the screen now bigger and the videos bigger because they need to compete with TikTok. But anyways, the tips I would give you for or you guys for, for TikTok is one consistency, right? Like anything. Like that's going to be hard. Um, yeah. What, what <laughs> they've said, what I know, what they've said is uh, try to post. All right. At least once a day, 
But if you really, really want to see growth, you need to do three times a day. Okay. Whoa. And it, and it could, it doesn't have to be, this I'm writing this down by the way. Yeah. The difference between what I've realized between TikTok and Instagram is Instagram is more like, it's always been about this, like perfectionist about this, like, you know, aesthetic about, I don't know. It has to be like really nicely done and put together, yes. whether it's a photo, whether it's a video, right. TikTok is about like, just embracing the mess of like life. And I can and handle my, that. I can handle that. Yeah, you would crush it then. You'll crush it then. Because I'm, I'm, my TikTok is a little different than my Instagram, although I've been repurposing on my Instagram lately, some of my TikTok videos. But like, it's cool because you like use video, you use audios from like movies and it'll be like funny, funny ass uh, audio, you know, like a quote. And then you like relate it to whatever. So I, I relate a lot of things to like soccer. Um, yes, it would have to be a soccer, uh, soccer yeah, specific. Yeah. yeah. So mine is a conjunction of like, fitness and then soccer drills obviously maybe some educational things around soccer but then i make i make a lot of videos like funny around soccer um yeah so like the tiktok i've actually been enjoying more than than instagram i think it's just mm. like part of our brain addiction that we just open instagram just because but dude yeah you got to check out tiktok because it's 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 definitely a way to grow your brand and i've seen soccer influencers are like media personality i've seen them grow their tiktok so much that it's helped their instagram grow ah a high tide as they say all right well yeah. i gotta really i gotta buckle in by the way uh, social media is, is is so nasty remember like they had like the uh Inst instagram had uh what is it where not the, the regular posts i gotta pull it up but then twitter did something like or twitter did twitter uh, like fleet videos to try and yes. imitate it or uh um, Twitter spaces, which was something else, a clubhouse. And then you just yeah. stole the idea. <laughs> it's like, you can't even put it out there. And then clubhouse is gone, right? Clubhouse. No one goes on clubhouse now. I have no idea, honestly. Well, and you were good at Twitter. I'm not great. I, I have a decent Twitter following just because of my playing days, but like majority of my Twitter followers are, are probably Spanish speaking in Colombia. I'm based here. I work here. So it's just like a random mix. Um, and I'm not, I'm not that if I'm doing TikTok and Instagram, like how the hell am I also going to do Twitter? But yeah. yeah, you're good at Twitter. I'm not that good. Well, at I just, that was the one I was on when we, when I was at ESPN, all this old fogey anchors would be on Twitter. And then everyone said, you got to be on Instagram. They're like, what? And now I was like, I was like, Nancy, tell them to be on TikTok. They're going to go, no, they're not. Yeah. So most of them are, even, most people just stay on Twitter, but it's, it, it, it you don't, you, you get comfortable and you don't want to adapt to new things, but this, yeah. this business is changing so quickly. If you don't adapt, you don't do these things. I'm guilty of it myself you're not going to get the message out. You're not going to succeed because everyone's looking for that TikTok element. If you can have a total um, profile where you have a little bit of something, it's going to make a difference. I talked to, when, when I'm at LAFC, we talk about people they want to, that they want to help be influencers of the club and they need to have a good social media following. Whether that helps them or not, that's what they're looking for. So totally. There totally. it is. And, you, and it, it helps with everything. It helps negotiate deals whether it's with brands, obviously for influencing, but even like media networks, it's like, well, actually our broadcaster, our posting can amplify your network, yes. you know? So yeah. it plays into negotiating too. So I'm like, post. post. Well, <laughs> Melissa, after this conversation, I am fast tracking. I'm no longer dragging my feet. I have a, yeah. I have a TikTok account. It's been lying there dormant, but I'm going to really pick up the pace. There you and go. I'm going to credit you for all of this. And if I make money, you're getting 10%. 
Okay. Love it. Done. Done. <laughs> Everybody heard that. That's on the record, by the way. <laughs> hey, you mentioned your playing days, and I mean, this is a, you know, you obviously been involved in sport, but representing Colombia, and you've earned the uh, the Olympics, and I mean, Colombia is obviously taking a while to get going in women's uh, soccer, but you've seen some breakthroughs, and yeah. I'm curious a, a, about the landscape because we know we, we you have the U.S. They're a powerhouse, and they've won two World Cups, and. They might be on their way to winning a third. I, I love the fact, as an American, I love the fact that Canada beat them in the Olympics because uh, you need competition. Americans love the U.S. women's team because they beat everyone's tail. They love to watch 8-1. They love. But I think for the sustainability of the sport, you need to have that competition. So how have you seen the growth, not just with Colombia, but maybe in the women's game that you've seen uh, um, will suggest that there is a, a competitive future? Oh my gosh. I mean, let's, let's just say since I quote unquote hung up boots, uh, in 2017, 18, um, just in these, whatever, four years alone, it's been incredible to see the growth so much that I feel like immense FOMO every day that I wish I was like playing, um, because social media has played such a a great and massive role in the growth of women's sports in general, but especially soccer soccer is is the global game. Yeah. So like, I think the pressure that our society has placed on equality and equity in the game through social media, uh, not only that, but like brands, brands and companies and investors leveraging more on the women's game, uh, social media providing access to be able to watch highlights and like golazos happen because the problem was, is that women's sports and women's soccer was always like, it was always, always great. Yeah. Okay. The level has gone up because the competition has gone up. The growth has gone up. Everything has obviously uh, developed just like the men's game has developed over the course of the last 60 plus years. Right. So women's game in such a short period of time has, I'm telling you like the style of play, the quickness, the speed, the athleticism has grown so much that has impacted the way that people are now enjoying the game too, because it's now even more entertaining. Right. So now we're seeing all these highlights on, on, on social media and then all these platforms, whether it's being streamed on YouTube, at a football, the zone. Uh, I think Bleacher Report was doing it for a while. CBS, you know, ESPN, obviously these big television networks have been, have been showing women's soccer for a while, but now you're getting more access to watch NWSL. You're getting access to watch the European league, UEFA women's champions league. The final is, is, is coming up. You know, we, we, we used to not even be able to watch the champions league final, the women's champions league final just a few years ago. Yeah. And, and it's such a, it's, it? It, look, and I'm guilty of it. I didn't see it. And it was like, it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. It was like, and I, I will tell you this from what I've seen, it is the number one growth sport of anything, men or women out there because yep. of the growth, but because the numbers it's delivering and because there's money in it. So there's young girls that want to become professionals. And these are the, the best athletes generally going to be playing soccer where like just looking at the American side of it, the best athletes uh, in the men's sports aren't going to play soccer, but the women's sports, it's become the number one, um, certainly team sport. But the, that's crazy because that, all, what was happening in the Champions League and the Premier League, it's a really high quality. And I started watching it and I go, like, it just it just started. I go, this has been going on for a while. And a, a lot, these ladies are making some nice money there playing for these top European clubs. And Before, yeah. it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we know it's just getting, it's still needs to grow so much for, right. I, there's very few athletes on the women's side that can make this a full-time um, yeah. 
a profession. You've got to balance it because the money's not there yet, but it's certainly seen there. And I think these, these services are going to look at women's soccer and say, get on the boat now because it might be too late if we want to do this in five, 10 years. Oh yeah. Like right now I was even reading, was it today? Uh, an expansion NWSL team. I think it was like $5 million, something like that. Whereas the MLS wow. is like, yeah, I think the MLS, what is it? Like a hundred mil or something yeah. like that. Well, I'll 300, say ML- 300 mil. It's like 150, uh, maybe okay. a little bit more, but it used to be, you know, they couldn't get owners. And then it went to 10 million. Then it went to 20 yeah. million. And I remember David Beckham was right around 2025. So he got grandfathered in around 25. And now yeah. all these new expansion teams are like at 150, 200,000. And that's the number one income for the league. It's better than their, it's better than their broadcast deal, which we're waiting on. Yeah. But. So for but, real. I said, you can't keep adding expansion teams. So they have to alter it, but yeah. NWSL could follow that. And that could be a windfall of money. So imagine that, like give it, give it five, 10 years. If right now it's starting now at 10 mil, 5 billion, where is it going to be in 10 years from now? There's a lot of potential, a lot of money in it. So obviously like to best answer your question, the growth of the women's game has been like astronomical. Uh, it's awesome to see. And it's not just in the U S as, as I mentioned, that, we're yes. seeing it in Europe, we're seeing UEFA, we're seeing sold out stadiums at Camp No with Barcelona, but not just at Camp No. We saw 30,000 people, uh, at the PSG, uh, UEFA champions league game, um, against Wolfsburg. I believe it was, what's that one? Yeah. This final, this final that's coming up this weekend, I believe it's sold out the UEFA Euro women's Euro this summer already sold out some games are sold out so in south america it's also it's also happening i don't want to say it's sold out unless it's like a final and like it's like a big game like a final but you're seeing definitely way more support mexico and south america yeah yeah. the league i mean the league mx and it's great because the league mx femenil is uh it's heavily televised and the people involved that are like on through the end and stuff they post about it a lot and I think that's important. Like I should post more about NWSL. I don't. And I'm, I'm affiliated with Angel City. I do a little Angel City. They had this incredible home opener. And yeah. uh, you, I think we all do that. And you do it from, you got to do it from the heart. So you got to make a connection. So I'm in the process of doing that. But uh, yeah. I'd love, I'd love for it to see it in South America. I know the money's a lot different there. And um, women's sports are still miles behind what we see in Europe and uh, North America here. But uh, as long as you're saying there's uh, there's some development there, it's moving in the right direction. Yes. Oh, it definitely is. Definitely is. I mean, there wasn't uh, going to be a pro league, like at least in Colombia, right? Um, a few years ago when they started, they were going to take it away. It's something that we fought for. Um, and the, the pro league is still going on to this day. So that's like an achievement in itself, except for it needs to, it needs to improve like tremendously, but at least to say like, you know, six, seven years ago, there was no league like that and now there is progress and like yeah it's progress you're still not making good money whatsoever i was made i was making like a thousand dollars a month let's be honest but as a, as a player progress, as a player okay yeah that's not going to yeah. cut it even though you told me the exchange rate in colombia is pretty good so you're telling me <laughs> get down to colombia have a nice vacation i i did i did this I, i'm melissa this is terrible i went to argentina 20 years ago and the reason i went <laughs> is because they just floated the currency so my friend goes, let's go down there. And it was like 40 to one or it was whatever it was. I mean, I went down there and I could, <laughs> I mean, could have bought a, like a 10 acres for, I couldn't cause I was an Argentinian, 10 acres of land for literally $5,000. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would get this Italian, 
nine, the Italian food there is as good as it is anywhere. Seven course Italian meal with four bottles of wine and a steak for like $4. I'm not exaggerating. God. The made leather jacket, custom made, $25. So Nuts. <laughs> I had a great time, but I felt a little guilty taking advantage. But I'm sure they were appreciative because they needed the tourism money. But I know yeah. it's not like that in Colombia, but that's a good idea because we all have to travel and see new parts of the world. So why not see a place totally. where you can see a new part yeah. of the world? And I've been to, I, mean, I was only one, I can't remember it. I was like, I was apparently like a, a year old. Oh, really? Like, it's like, it's like one of those, like, why'd you take me when I was a year old? It's like to my yeah. parents, why'd you take us to Disney when we were like infants? Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that a true story? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We lived in Florida. I lived in Florida. So we go all the time. But go. I'm just thinking, you know, the day that I have kids. Am I going to take them when they're like one? Absolutely not. Like, no, no. <laughs> that's for you. You're going for yourself. If you're going, that's not yeah, for the kid. Uh, totally. Well, I mean, let's, let's talk about the pivot. You know, you, you're, you have American ties or in New York. Um, you're a New Yorker, right? Am I? Okay. That, I mean, no, I, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard question. Yeah. Don't claim I it was, if you don't feel it. Exactly. Like I can't, I, I can't a hundred percent claim it because I was born in West Palm beach, Florida. Okay. Like my, my parents are Colombian. I'm born in West Palm beach, Florida, but they met when they immigrated separately, you know, with their own families, they met in, in Queens, in Queens, New York. Right. So there are ties and they did live here for a long time until they both, you know, they got married and they moved down to Florida. So I had a lot of family here growing up and I used to come here a lot. Like my summer vacations would either be Columbia or Queens or like Long Island, whichever, wherever my family was. So, yeah. So there are ties in New York for sure. It's like always been in our blood. Uh, I love it here. Ever since we moved here in 2018, my fiance and I, we've like, I've, I've absolutely loved it. I've just like embraced the craziness, the nastiness, the dirtiness, but like also <laughs> the, the hustle. Give the me some hustle. nasty and dirty. Come on, wash over me. <laughs> yeah. Talk, talk subway to me. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's nuts. What's the foulest yeah. word, you know, lay it on. Um, yeah, exactly. By the way, you sound a little like uh, I'm a little bit like you because my my parents were Cuban. They are they came to the United States. I was born in Ohio, but they met in Nebraska. So it's like, no, I've no, I've never been to Ohio, Nebraska since I was very young. So uh, okay, okay, so. wait. I mean, like New York is like the melting pot. So like my parents obviously it's like understandable they arrived to New York. Like, why did they get go to Nebraska? Where did well, your parents go to Nebraska? My, my mom, there was this thing called the Pedro Pan plane lift and, and they had to send their kids over and they had to go to orphanages in the US. And my dad went to one, it was like a, he was a little bit older. So he went to a, a boarding school in, in Alabama. My mom went to Miami and then they got older. Uh, the parents finally came and they got to university and Nebraska had this open door for Cubans. So all wow. these Cubans started going there. Um, there was like a problem. I think it was this Cuban guy who was the president of Coca-Cola who went to Nebraska. I, I, I think that's it, but I have, I have like cousins who still live there. So Nebraska was good to the, good to the gente right there. Yeah, for real. Wow. So I got a soft spot for Nebraska. For real. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I've never, been, I've, if you asked me on the map, point out Nebraska, I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a hodgepodge. There's so many states on uh, uh, on states that you can't really differentiate in that part. But yeah. um, there it is. It is. We're all in this melting pot. But um, obviously, being uh, representing Colombia is very important. And then out of your playing days, you're doing what what I do and, and covering the sport. And you're covering the men's and the women's. Um, it's all. That's another thing that's grown a lot because we're seeing more women on the air. We're seeing more women in the truck 
We're seeing behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, making decisions. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard and it's unfair a lot of the times. And I always see the criticism directed to some women when they're covering the men's sports. And it's, I'm glad people, uh, I'm glad we're, we're at least some places are making the effort to, to staff it with, with women who know it. And I've, I've been really impressed with people like you who've been able to do it. So when did you know that was something that you wanted to pursue and what were the challenges like to get a voice? Yeah. Um, so I'd never, I don't, to pursue this career, like, let's just talk about broadcasting. Um, when I was in, when I was playing for the Columbia national team and they used to bring us into like the studio or, or interview us after games or anything like that, I was always intrigued. I was like, you know what, one day, maybe this would be cool to do once I retire. I was always, uh, thinking future as well. Like, because I knew women's soccer wasn't going to like buy me a house. So I was like, you know, what am I going to do? Um, so I always thought, you know, this would be really awesome. So actually during my, when I was playing for the national team and we would have like a few weeks off, I would go to the networks, the local networks in like Bogota, Colombia. And I'd say, Hey, you don't need to pay me. I just kind of want like an internship. Smart. Uh, Smart. Yeah. I just want to just shadow you or like one of your talents or whatever, just to see what it's like. And I used to do that on my like off weeks. Um, And, you know, I studied marketing. I studied international business. I have an MBA in marketing and I still do it. I use it all the time, but I just love the way of being able to use your voice and communicate. And then I learned that I loved one thing about broadcasting and that's the adrenaline it offers. Because like, 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 you know, very well that when you're playing and you're in a stadium, there's lights on, it's like lights, camera action. It's your time to play. Right. Well, I feel like I received that same type of adrenaline in front of the camera and uh, in front of the lights and like just the pressure. And I love like the heart racing. It's just like some addiction of adrenaline. And I'm like, man, it's actually pretty cool. And it's in something that I love about soccer. So I think like around then when I was playing, it's like, Hmm, maybe I could do this one day. Uh, yeah. So then I just, when I, when I actually, when I stopped playing, it's like, okay, how do I do this? I don't know. Did you study communications or anything? I didn't. Like, I didn't. Yeah. I, uh, um, I did international relations, but I knew I wanted to do this. I was, uh, so a part of it as, as an international sport, that degree helped, but it was, um, getting out of college and getting reps doing sort of the games. And, you know, you knew it was going to be, it was going to be a long, a long, <laughs> slow crawl because, uh, yes. I, you learned on the job and look, I, I, I think if you have an opportunity to go to university and learn the, learn the profession, it'll help you. But nothing will prepare you quite for it than just getting out totally. there, you know, and swallowing your pride a lot of times, doing stuff that you know no one's really paying attention to, hoping that you yeah. find a platform. And you know, it worked out pretty well. But um, it's it's a weird time now as uh, to to get into it because uh, it's it's very saturated. There's less work in a lot of places. In, in but on the flip side, it's an opportunity to be empowered if you're people and you can do that through social media. You can do that. TikTok. You never know. TikTok will blow up and they say, Oh, Melissa has been on there and she does this soccer beat. Let's use that. Let's throw a sponsor. That's kind of how you can be successful. Now it's not going to be the, yeah. and this is like 20 years ago. Like I said, I want to go to ESPN and anchor their shows. <laughs> That's not really feasible anymore. That really isn't. Right. So. Yeah, no, you're right. And I was, I was very similar, no experience uh, whatsoever. And it was tough because I 
when I stopped playing, I was like, yo, my resume is going to speak like words up for itself. You know, like I played in this tournament, I speak two languages, like all this stuff. And I went and I hustled my way to like ESPN Miami. And I'm like, I'm here. I'm ready. Like thinking that they would give me like some type of shot, you know, <laughs> and, who are you? It, <laughs> <I was> like, ah. <laughs> literally it was like crickets galore. Uh, there was nothing. And I, I, I drove home from Miami. Like it takes like an hour and a half. And I just remember just being like, like, holy shit. Like this isn't easy. I, nothing's easy, but like, I thought it was going to be easier. Right. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh. So I, I listened to this audio book by Gary Vaynerchuk by Gary V and it's, it's called like crushing it. And this was years, this is 2017, 2018. And it was all about like creating your own content and, and creating your own, you know, brand and putting yourself out there because no one's going to just come and call yeah. you unless you're like Tom Brady or something. Right. So. And I, give you 37 million a year. Yeah. <laughs> Those exactly. contracts. Where do I sign up for that contract? Exactly. Exactly. We're going to pay you 37 million a year. Are you okay with that? Uh, let me talk when to you my retire. Agent. Yeah. When you retire. <laughs> oh my God. Agent, what well, agent gets 3 million from that. Right. Gosh. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I listened to that and do you recommend it, that? Would you recommend that, uh, that book or audiobook? Oh yeah, for sure. And especially if there's an updated audiobook, because remember that's 2018 and you know, social media and everything has evolutionized so quickly sure. over the past, yeah. you know, and especially through the pandemic. So now there's probably more heavily, uh, subject matters on TikTok, for instance, or, or other platforms, but if he has an updated version, a hundred percent listen or read it. Uh, so it, it really just motivated me to just be like, you know what, Melissa, create your own content, do your own stuff. And that's exactly what I did. I set up scarves in my now fiance's apartment, started talking about like the premier league, the NWSL, whatever it was, and just started building, start, started building. And then I did a vlog series. We went to Russia world cup as actually like a vacation. We wanted to go together um, the year after I stopped playing and I did a vlog series. And so you, it was a vacation, but you were on the clock too. You're, you're pumping this stuff out. Yeah, yeah, because I was like, I want to make these videos. So I would create these videos, edit them on the train or whatever, or send it to like a friend that was helping me if, if I didn't have time and just be like, hey, can you just help me like edit these? I need to post them. And but at the same time, I was doing Instagram stories, I think were alive then um, from Russia. And so that obviously caught a bunch of eyes. And as soon as I got back, like a few weeks later, I got my first branded deal to cover MLS matches and like do all this crazy stuff. I was like, oh my God, this is actually happening. Yeah, it worked. I'm so glad I asked you this because I talk to people all the time and I go, this is, look, it's not easy. And I I mean, covering a big tournament looks, we have a world cup coming up. So many eyeballs are on that. So there's going to be a demand for all those things. So if, if you're listening to this, you want to get involved in the sport, that's a good time, big or small, probably small, and you hope to grow to yeah. uh, to, to get a voice, to build a voice. Yeah, and now it's actually even, I don't want to say easier, but more accessible than it was a few years ago when I did it. Because, you know, TikTok, the way it works is like, you could post one video and that thing will hit millions of views. Uh, Instagram is way harder. And I was working with Instagram, like TikTok wasn't, wasn't around then. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of how it started. And I knew that by constantly posting like stuff around soccer, I knew what my end goal was. My, my shorter term goal was like, I want to, you know, get on networks. I want to start broadcasting. I want to see if I'm good at this or have potential. Uh, yeah. So that's how it kind of just happened. And it started growing and these opportunities started coming and, 
yeah, a lot of preparation came into play, a lot of uh, nerves, um, a lot of, you could say a little bit of everything, whether it was critics, because you always have that no matter what, Ooh, yeah. but a lot of support. Yeah, yeah, but but a lot of support as well. And I appreciate the ones that like supported me, but also gave me the opportunity because you know, it's one person, one person in your life could seriously change your your path, your pathway. And for those like certain producers that reached out to me or like, or someone that recommended me to the next, I'm like, dude, like just by doing that, has changed so much uh for me for my path you know that's awesome and the critics are good too because uh even if they're nasty it's like it, it toughens you up and it, it shows you like I'm, i can't be fragile here because it's gonna come and you gotta deal with it and there's just some creeps out there and they're and they're never gonna go away uh so i mean i've, I've some some of the things that have been said i'm sure you've had the same where you're just like whoa but uh, I, I, I think without that, I would I wouldn't be ready. I'd still be a little soft in in my presentation. But that really thickened the skin. So I'm not saying I appreciate it, but I'm, I I think it's an important part of it all. Just to, it is. So so you you I know you got the chance to cover uh, something that's very near and dear to me it was the eliminatorias of South America Fubo and being able to see that develop. That had to be incredible. And I'm for. By the way, before I get started, how disappointing are the folks in Colombia about missing this program? Because I, I got to tell you, this Colombia team has got so much talent. And we see Luis Diaz become the star at Liverpool. And I'm not even thinking about James. But there's more and more guys in Europe. And I said, if they just made it, it could have, uh, uh, they would have been a factor. They could have been a, a team that made, you know, you look at the final eight, maybe not, I don't know, final four, but they, they could be there. They almost made it there in uh in the last World Cup, I mean, they had a good run there um, before losing yeah. to the English. But yeah. I could not believe it. Was it that stat where they didn't score a goal in like 700? I mean, that's unbelievable. I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's impossible to think that that actually happened, but it did. Yeah, it did. I think they were at a point like seven games without scoring a goal. Like, how is that even possible with the roster? Like you mentioned, it's not only just Luis Diaz, but you have stars Cuadrao, you know, Santos Borre. You have a lot of... Santa, a lot of Borre, who's, a, who's scoring goals willy-nilly. Uh, Borja, yeah. who scores Borja. goals. And, his club, and I go, they, none of them could score in the most important stretch. You have in the Italian, like Duvan Zapata, Luis Fernando Muriel. You have such great players. You have like nine that. strikers who score double-digit goals for top Literally. clubs. Literally. I, and none know. of them could score in the nope. business end of qualifiers. Yep. That's going to be a tough pill to swallow. It is. And like, I was, I was just in Colombia last weekend and it, it, you know, like as part of like the Colombian American community here, it's like a big loss because a lot of not only Colombia, Colombians from Colombia go to these world cups, but a lot of Colombian Americans go to these world cups. Dude, when I went to Russia, I went to Brazil world cup as well. Like this, the stadiums were, they were yellow. The stadiums are packed with Colombians. If there's Colombians in the world cup, you're like the fan base is going to be majority Colombian at those games, uh, hands down. So it's a big, big loss for us. Uh, and economically as well, it's a hit on the economy. Um, you know, massive brands that, that, that put in, in the Colombian economy, right. And like work with the Federation, that's a huge loss too. Um, yeah, it, it sucks. There's no other better word to say it, <laughs> but, but, but I'm just going to say this, like a lot of things, a lot of things, how do you say this? Right. Like a lot of things trickle down. Right. So I think it's just something good comes out of this. Something good will come, will eventually come out of it. But I think it's just, um, it, it shows 
in in whole what the country and the federation has been going through for these past years and it trickles down it's not just the players on the field yes they played like crap yes they didn't have they couldn't connect yes they couldn't score goals but this is a trickling effect from the top to the bottom and the executives at the federation like come on i mean it's 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 a terrible 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 like group of power that have controlled this federation so you know what long story short it sucks, but it, 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 things happen for a reason, you know. I, I I look at what the U.S. went through, and and not and missing the World Cup, it just it, it's it's a it's a wound that just doesn't heal for a long time because you don't qualify, and then you see the World Cup draw, and then the wound gets bigger again, and yes. you're thinking about it, and the wound grows. The World Cup starts, and it just reopens. You're like, oh. And you keep thinking and, and it was just, you needed that cycle to run its course. And finally, when World Cup qualifying started for the next time, um, and you see some of the good stuff that happened to the U.S. team because of not qualifying for the World Cup, this new group of young players that had developed really uh, unexpectedly and playing for some of the top clubs. So there's a there's something there. And I think you see the signs in, in Colombia. And the U.S. got back to the World Cup by the thinnest of margins. Hopefully, Colombia gets back. Yeah. I only feel bad for, for Italy who now <laughs> going through they no. bounce back and they win the euros and go we're back we're going to win the world cup and then yeah, I, I even, so we could feel bad about that melissa but someone has it worse <laughs> someone definitely has it worse because imagine if like colombia would have won copa america that all of a sudden did it qualify like the heck no <laughs> and that's the thing colombia were they were the semifinals they yeah, were there yeah. they could have won yeah. it they were that's when uh, the luis diaz started to emerge as this the superstar yeah. and they had so many good players everywhere and well i don't, I don't want to make you i don't want to revisit it too much because i know obviously it still stinks i i, I pull for, I, know. I didn't i should have said this earlier when i lived in colombia my brother and sister were born in bogota so growing up before the u.s kicked in colombia was my squad and i'd follow ah. I'll, I'll age myself here but 1994 sorry 1990 with that okay. super team and i know i, I talked about freddy okay. rincon who we lost recently I mean, yeah. that I was glued for Colombia there and I was devastated when they lost to Cameroon, but just thrilled when yeah. they had some moments. And then obviously 1994, where it all fell apart horribly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what was one of, to me, one of the great teams I've ever seen just leave empty handed. And then you have the tragedy of Andres Escobar. It was, I was like, man, yeah. this is not, it's not supposed to be like this. It's crazy, right? Well, Colombia's had it rough. <laughs> had Very it rough. rough. And then guess what? They went like 16 years without a World Cup, men's World Cup. So in those 16 years, that's when our women's team actually became like the heart and soul of football in Colombia because we went to the World Cup, we went to the Olympics, we went to U20 World Cup, made it to the to the semifinal. So during those that 16-year drought of men's World Cup where they were like everyone was pissed at the men's team and everything, it's like we brought this this some sort of happiness because people weren't in tune with women's soccer yet. They're like, what are they sure. doing? But then it opened the door for us at the same time, uh, which is interesting to look back on it, how it worked out when they weren't doing anything and, and, and we were. Um, but now, now without, without Colombia, it's like crazy. Like, like you said, the national team has gone through so many things politically and, you know, footballistically as well, that I think that this year, I think it's a time where 
Colombia as a nation, but also as a federation has to just, you know, resync itself. There's been a lot of, a lot of corruption, a lot. I mean, like, like many, like many federations, but there's been a lot of corruption and it just goes to show, uh, I think it just, it just parlayed into the, into these qualifiers. And then of course you, you, Peru did fantastic. Ecuador did fantastic. You know, See, I mean, but that's the thing. are not another planet. But. Well, Colombia should be third every time. They're more talented than Ecuador. Ecuador is closing out. They're much more talented than Peru. Uruguay, that's debatable. Uruguay's just got a ton of talent. Yeah. But uh, that makes it hard because I look at that Peruvian team. I'm like, they shouldn't be here. <laughs> they're not in the World Cup yet. They just don't have that talent. I give credit to the coaching staff and the, and the heart of these players. Yeah. The talent gap between Peru and Colombia is, is big. Yeah, yeah. They just so have just, the heart yeah. and the and, and the coaching staff, you know, with Gareca. However, however Gareca pulled off the, the win, you know, the latter end of the eliminatorias was incredible. Uh yeah. He's the man. He's the man. He's the man. Yeah. Um let's go quickly look through uh because you got a closer look and you mentioned Argentina and Brazil. And I think South America will do well. And I think Argentina and Brazil both have a shot to win it. More so Brazil, who didn't lose a game. I don't think Argentina did. So they, they, did not. they didn't lose a game. So I, I love what Argentina did because they built a squad around Messi where he's not the he's not the the focal point, which is hard to believe. And you know, he's not he's not having a great year on the club game, so it's gonna be even more of an issue um uh going forward. And Brazil to me are the best team in the world right now, but I've said that before, and I always pick them to win it, and I always look bad. Um I'm going to, by the way, I want to get your answer on who you think is going to do well. As you answer that, I have to get my charger. I'm listening, but keep answering it because I'm going to charge it and I'll be, and pretend I'm here. This is very okay. unprofessional, Melissa, but I just noticed my battery was running out. I didn't have the charger. Oh, okay. Shoot. Okay. Wait, we're talking about South America. We're talking about Argentina, Brazil, and who you okay. think is going to do well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 So this is, this is my piece. So <laughs> Ar Ar Argentina in, in Brazil. So both have incredible teams, as we know, both undefeated. They actually still have one game to play left in these World Cup qualifiers because I don't know if you all remember this, but there was that whole happening, that drama when uh, Emmy Martinez and, and some other players, I think Lachelso or some other, they, they, uh, the, the COVID rules, they didn't obey them when they arrived to Brazil and they postponed the match. They canceled the match. They postponed the match. Then we got to see a live training of Brazil on Fubo TV. It was crazy. But anyways, they still have to play that game in the summer. I don't, I mean, it's going to be for pride really. Um, but it'll be interesting to have to watch that game when both have already qualified for the world cup, both are undefeated. So their pride is on the line. Anyways, if we think about the world cup, I personally will be rooting for Argentina. Why? Because I just want Messi to raise that yeah. World Cup trophy. You know, that's that's just he deserves it. He should. He's such a incredible player for our history. That's what I. That want would be the happen. best story if the World Cup could say, "How would you want this to end?" It's Lionel Messi lifting it. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, both are going to do incredibly well. Uh, but when we get to World Cup. Man, I mean, uh, even when you think about the players right now who are playing like in their in their in their leagues, <laughs> I feel like everyone is just so in tune, except for maybe uh, maybe Messi, who hasn't been at his, hasn't. you know, yeah. Well, but again, it's, it's it's like what you were saying. The team, the Argentinian team was built around him. So it's not just he's he, he's going to when he plays with Argentina, Messi's another beast anyway. So 
I, I think that, that there's going to be an interesting conversation to have if Messi comes in and he's not the same sharp Messi, which he's not going to be. Uh, he's not he's not the best player in the world right now. He's probably not the best 10, maybe somewhere yeah. 10 and 20, maybe even lower than that. When you base it on this past season, when you base it on this yes. past season. I agree. If Argentina is doing well and Messi's not firing on all cylinders, say Lautaro scores a couple goals and they're getting some clean sheets on the other end, they're like, we may need to sub Messi out. We may have to bring him off the bench. I mean, it, that would be sacrilege, but managers know what works. So Lionel Scaloni is going to be like, I want to win the World Cup, Lionel. You got to trust me. You're not, you're not starting this game. It, it could very well happen because a different yeah. option. Uh, is, uh, I, could, I could attest this. When, when you get older, it happens fast. Yeah. <laughs> and you become one minute you're the best player and all of a sudden you're the 50th best player. It's totally true. It's totally true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, for Brazil, I mean, they have a stacked team. They they have players that are doing well in their leagues as well. I mean, uh, a Firmino right now with FA Cup with Liverpool. Uh, I mean, the goal. Jesus, I'm just thinking about Liverpool players alone. <laughs> well, it's like, well, I mean, look. Obviously, Neymar. Neymar is probably not the best Brazilian player. I mean, you have. Vinicius, who's going to demand yeah. playing time. Paqueta, oh, who yeah. was the hero at the... Paqueta uh, did really well. Is yeah. all these guys, I, I go, that's going to be very hard to pick starting 11. <laughs> People's feelings are going to be hurt because this. Yeah. the second team for Brazil could probably make a semifinal in a yeah. World Cup. Yeah, yeah. But I do think the winner of this World Cup will come out of South America. I... I think because it's in Qatar, there's a good chance. I think the European teams, the big club, the big countries aren't going to dominate like we saw in Russia. I think Belgium's going to fall short. I think France is going to fall short. I think uh, Spain is on, you know, it's a young team coming up. England's going to be up there. Also, yeah. Germany's probably going to come up. But then I, I don't see the domination we saw when it was close to home for those countries. So I like I like those, those shots. And by the way, it... That Argentina Brazil rescheduling. If if you can reschedule Argentina Brazil, do it. Play the kids. <laughs> Everyone wants to see it, right? Exactly. I know. Play the under seventeen. It'll. It, you don't. Messi and Neymar don't have to play in that. It'll still be entertaining. Like, uh, please just don't play in it because you know it's going to be aggressive. You know. Yeah, it's yeah. Don't. Be, that's and you're like, don't. Just don't don't risk it. Don't risk it. <laughs> that would be a horrible story. Messi injured in the yeah. uh, the makeup game Mad. between Brazil and Argentina. Mad. Imagine for World Cup. You know, I missed out on the World Cup by five days. Did you know that? Say that again. You what on? The... I missed out on the World Cup by five oh, days. The women. No. Yeah. 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 So I. Uh, oh, 2015... no. Yeah. 2015 Women's World Cup. I, I was on the roster. We left Colombia already. We did the whole ceremony, all the stuff. And we stopped in Colorado to do some friendlies. And I, uh, I tore my Achilles uh, five oh. days before. <laughs> yeah. I was just, yeah. it's funny because we were talking about Miles Robinson of the U.S. team who's, who's going to be the starting center back and he ruptured his yeah. Achilles. And yep. I go, man, that's got to be so awful. And But you know what I also said? He's not going to be the only one. And now I'm talking to someone who it happened to. And yeah. I don't know if that gives you any solace, but you know, knowing you're not alone when that happens, a lot of dreams get crushed like that, which is terrible. Oh my God, it's terrible. It's terrible. But I remember when I first did it, I remember... I'm like, who else has done this? And I was like, oh, David Beckham did it. Kobe Bryant had done it. Like a lot of athletes had done it. In their and, big and moments. I actually, in their big moments, yeah. And I actually did it similarly to how David Beckham did it, just by myself, a step back to push forward, to accelerate, and ah, just went. Um, but I blame it on 
uh, we were playing on turf for that women's world cup, which is actually bullshit of why it was on turf that world cup. Uh, yeah. So the turf really, really messed up my joints, um, my tendons. And I was dealing with a lot of tendonitis, which became tendinosis over time. Did that lead to the Achilles rupture? You think? Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. They've got to, this turf thing's got to stop. It's got to stop. All the MLS players have all the guys that have, have had a big injury. Uh, recently have all been turf related uh Jao Paulo Seattle and then Miles Robinson and Brad Guzan with Atlanta so they were all on stuff. turf all on turf wow yes see like this is one you see a lot of ACL tears on turf but two if you're training a lot and we were training a lot on turf because we knew that the world cup was going to be on turf so you have to get you have to get used to the way that the ball balances the velocity of the ball when you you know pass it on the on the ground and everything so we were training at least four four to five times a week on turf and that takes that takes a toll on your body and that's that's honestly why my Achilles were just so bad um right before the world cup, but I was pushing it. I was in pain and I told our medical staff and they didn't do anything about it. Obviously they didn't give two craps about our women's team. Uh, and I just pushed it. I said, you know what? I'll, I'll make it through. I'll make it through. I got to get this roster. I got to get my starting spot, all this stuff. And then it just gave out, you know, just it's life. I mean, things happen always for a reason, but yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. And and we're here now talking to each other. So there's a positive. There you go. Yeah. Real quick, do you think Ecuador, I mean, if Ecuador makes the World Cup, because they have these Chileans after them, and I hope Ecuador makes it. I'm excited about Ecuador. And then Uruguay, and I think Peru makes it too if they beat uh, Australia or the United Arab Emirates. Of those three teams, do you think they, one in particular, might be able to uh, get a little further along? I think Uruguay will perform good. I don't, you know, they're not going to, be a top they're definitely not gonna be a top four but in my opinion but it's kind of it's like the last go uh for Suarez for Cavani they're gonna give it their all and you know when Suarez was on he's like all on he's a beast um I think Uruguay will do decent not top four though Ecuador dude they're good they're dark horse I'm telling you I love them I've been tracking Ecuador and I'm like I just when it's Chilean story broke no hands off I don't want Chile in the world cup because they will get smoked Ecuador yeah. Their league is Dark getting horse. better. The players are getting, they're getting more players in Europe. Yeah. I'm with you on yep. that. And they're, they're here, the US too. But imagine, imagine even, I have to look back at the, at the matches, but uh, if I had it in front of me, I would best know. But imagine like an Ecuador against uh, an African nation, you know, like just like the full on battle that that game would, would yeah. have. Yeah. I think well, Ecuador they, will. They're in the group with Qatar, Netherlands, and Sen- I think Senegal. So Ecuador, Senegal, okay. circle the calendars. That's going to yeah, be, these are, these are two countries that go, they go after exactly. it. Exactly. Like, exactly. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Melissa, this was an awesome conversation. I really appreciate <laughs> it. Check everyone. Check out Melissa Ortiz on Instagram and TikTok. There it is. As we get close to the world cup, I'm sure we'll be hearing uh, a lot more of you as well. Yes, definitely. Uh, definitely, all right. definitely. Thank you, Max, for having me. It's been, it's been real. It's been fun. Right on. Enjoy the <laughs> New York groove as they say, uh, as summertime where it gets really hot in there i'm sure that at least until august i know august is where it's unbearable but you still have a few months and then we get ready for the world cup subway's about to be get steamy (laughs) (laughs) nothing like a steamy subway melissa ortiz joining me in the business end we'll be back with stoppage time where we will be discussing the u.s men's june camp we'll be right back are back and this is stoppage time and we'll talk about 
What's coming up for the United States? It's going to be a busy June. Three games, I believe. June 1st, or is it the 2nd? In Cincinnati against Morocco. June the 5th against Uruguay. Uruguay announced their roster. It is loaded, so that's going to be a fine test. You're going to get all the heavy hitters from Uruguay. The CONCACAF Nations League group stages are of Grenada, June 10th, El Salvador, June 14th. There'll be another camp in September, and then it's time to get ready for the World Cup. There are a lot of question marks for the United States. There's no doubt about that, and we have documented them here, starting with the goalkeepers, where the top three are all backups in England. Well, Matt Turner did play for New England, so he's still going to get some MLS games before heading off to Arsenal. So we've been kicking the tires on a lot of guys, including Stefan Fry. And I let me start with this, and I'll explain it to you. And this is what we saw. So you got to look at how these things are being built and how once there's a foundation, you don't hatch it away and start over again, especially if you qualify for the World Cup. This is a process. You've got to trust that process. The United States, when they started in September, had a lot of the old guard in there. By the time they ended in, what was it, May? They, I'm sorry to be March. They, um, they brought in all the young players with potential because they've gone through that first World Cup qualification process. So they went through all of this together. So a group of guys that went through the qualification process are under the, under the belief that they're going to go to the World Cup. Not all of them are going to go to the World Cup, but they would think, okay, we did this. We were here. We've built this chemistry. We have built this bonding. We have gotten familiar with each other. So we've been in, we've been in, uh, what is it called? We've been, we've been to war together and uh, we trust each other. So if you come in here and you say, well, we're going to get a new goalkeeper. We're going to get a new striker. We're going to get a new midfielder. It's just not, it's folly. It's not sustainable. No national team is doing that. This is small. This you, you, With the World Cup six months away, this is minor uh, adjustments here. Depth players. The, the 15 or 18 players at the top are already locked in. You're getting players 19 to 23 or 19 to 26 to fill out this roster. There are concerns. The goalkeeping situation, do they bring in Stephen Fry? Does Sean Johnson get a run? I, don't, I just... <laughs> I find it hard to believe that Greg Berhalter, because, look, Zach Steffen made some foul-ups with Manchester City the rare time that he plays. And none of these guys are playing, and that's a big problem. But after all that coaching, you think he's going to go big pivot, Stephen Fry, you're in. No. No. I mean, what you see is what you get. You know, like Norman Dale in Hoosiers, he goes, this is, my, this is your team. This is your team. I don't think there's going to be a lot of, there's not going to be this big seismic shift of, oh my goodness, so-and-so's coming in. Greg Berhalter has mentioned some. Haji Wright, I believe he said, will come in, which is great. He's deserved it, and that's a position in need. I think the the number nine is open. Because Ricardo Pepe, by the way, Augsburg, you know, really uh, not a meaningless, nothing's meaningless, but they were safe. And uh, Marcus Weinzierl, the uh, then Augsburg coach, he's now resigned because there was probably some differences with the sports director. Uh, he's, he's gone. And I guess this is good news for Ricardo Pepe because Weinzierl did not play Pepe in this meaningless game. Not for anything. Not for five minutes. Just let him sit there. That's really lame. That's really lame. This is a guy so low on confidence that needs a shot in the arm. Play him. They should have started him. 
This is your record signing. Start him. It's unbelievable. Get him in the game. Because it's it's your property, right? This is the guy that you hope will score goals for you in the future. Uh, unless you sell him. I don't know who's going to pay that price. You're kind of stuck. So groom him. And this is a teenager. He had a bad run. But now he's going to have a full preseason. And he'll come in. And he'll be improved. Not playing him on the final game of the season. That's just weak. Just lame. Pepe's going to still be here in this U.S. buildup. Um, for me, I would like to see Haji Wright. I would like to see Georgi Mihalovic. Nobody has earned himself a spot more than he has. If he doesn't get called up, I, I would really, I'd be disappointed. And I've defended Greg Berhalter a lot, but that's the one guy of the players that haven't been called up that really should be there, in my estimation. I would like to see Jeremy Abobasi get a call up too, because I think that's a guy that could fit the bill at striker, but I doubt it. You're seeing a lot of MLS players, but this is the MLS players are the ones that are performing. These are the ones you got to look at. These are the ones that are going to break in. Stephen Fry is not coming in. John Brooks is not coming in. I mean, John Brooks maybe, but look, that to me that seems like that relationship is is ruined or it's not working. And in every walk of life, everywhere, all of us who work, we deal with a boss that may like us or may not. I've done that my whole career. Everywhere I went, I've had bosses that were great to me and bosses that would have left me in a ditch. Well, <laughs> you deal with it. You know, you're not going to get in there. I wanted to call, I was. I moved to ESPN to call two World Cups, the lead producer there. This guy by the name of Jet Drake just told me, nope, we don't want you. So go find somewhere else. So I was like, all right, <laughs> what can I do? He's the boss. But uh, that's it. John Brooks isn't in the, in the plans. I wish Greg was a little bit more honest about it, but he's not. Cameron Carter-Vickers, um, Joe Scally, these are guys that might, uh, Cade Cowell, Mendez, Ledesma. So um, I think the four, the Jesus Ferreira, who's been, he scored two more incredible goals for FC Dallas. The thing with him is I want to see him as the feature number nine. That's what I want to see here in June. I want to see him start maybe both Morocco and Uruguay. Probably not both, but at least one and play the second one. See if he can fix it because he is out of his mind I mean, Georgi Mihalovic, I know you could say about MLS, you're like, ah. it's so it's such a dumb conversation. Let's just deal with it because we have talented players in MLS. But the, the two MVP candidates in Major League Soccer are Georgi Mihalovic and Jesus Ferreira, and there's a drop-off to the rest. But those are the two best-performing players, and they are positions of need for the U.S. Oh, Alan Sonora, I forgot, but I don't, I don't think he's going to get in there. But the core of guys, 18-20, Pulisic, Aronson, Weah, uh, McKinney, Walker Zimmerman, the goalies, Serginho Dest, Anthony Robinson. We need to find a backup left back. I think that's something we need to do. And that group is going to remain. And there'll be some alterations. So don't expect this. this now, there's going to be guys coming and going because some guys will play those first two games and they'll go. And then some of the fringe guys who likely won't make the World Cup will come in for Grenada and El Salvador. And that's it. I think the fringe guys know it's a long, long shot for them to get in there. There'll be a story or two developing. There'll be a story of someone who gets in there. But don't go in here thinking that this is going to be mad scientist moment and they're going to rebuild this team. That is not happening. This is it. This is your team. As Triple G said, the cycle is just beginning. It's not over. This is just the first step. But he knows that it's further along than that. 
I'm curious about the goalkeeping situation. I think it's still going to be Stefan. Matt Turner's at least playing, so there's something there. So I feel okay with those two. Uh, Jordan Pifok probably gets called in. I don't think he he has. It's a real long shot for him. Christian Pulisic maybe plays a central role. Ricardo Pepe still has a sniff here. Uh, look, it's a long time. Pepe may not get the starts, but they're gonna they're gonna track him and see if he can play for Augsburg and finally get some goals, and that could get him back to the starting number nine. So I'm not too. I mean, there's there's op- optimistic signs, mainly coming from MLS, that tells you that this is happening. But Christian Pulisic had a good run. Tim Weah scored a goal and assist, and Haji Wright. There's good things happening everywhere to tell you that this is going to be okay. This is 2022. This is going to build to 2026. This is your team. And this is the Soccer OG. Always a, a wonderful time to spend with you. I really appreciate it and being able to share this forum. And I really love the fact that you guys are enjoying this. I'm going to try and keep a high standard. Sometimes I'll take a dip, but I'll try to do that. Rate, review, subscribe, download, tell a friend right now. Call him. And we'll see you very soon. Enjoy the games these coming few days. And until next time, Placido Domingo. <laughs>